Okay, well, it is exciting to be back being able to speak to you um, this morning. And as Chris said, I get the privilege of overseeing the kids and youth. And it wouldn't be me preaching if we didn't mention that at some point today, so look out for it. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dig into the Word. Let's pray. Father God, I just welcome you again, and I say, come, have your way. Move among us, Holy Spirit. Speak deep into our hearts and show us what you want to do in our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I'm sure you're aware, if you've been here for a while, we are on this series, The Apostles. Now, it's my privilege to come very last in the series, and remember there are only 12. Um, So I decided today that we would look at Philip. Now, we don't know a huge amount about Philip, but what we do know is that he, he was from a place called Beth- Bethsaida, as was Andrew and Peter. And like all the other disciples, he left everything to follow Jesus. He got up and he followed And then, as I say, we don't hear a huge amount about him. There's a couple of stories within the Gospels that we hear. And the one that we're going to look at today comes in John's Gospel, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. See, what I love about Philip is that Jesus takes him on a journey. He takes him from a place where he's viewing situations through this worldly lens, and he moves him to viewing situations through a spiritual lens lens. And I hope this morning, as we dig into the word and as we look at Philip, we will start to do that. We will start to go from a place of um, looking at our situations, our lives through a worldly lens and looking it through God's heavenly spiritual lens. Excuse me. There we go. Let's grab some water. Okay, so we're going to go into the word. So we're going to go to John chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to that. Um, It will also come up on the screen. Jesus feeds the 5,000. I'm reading from the NIV. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he has performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked um, this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. 
Jesus, knowing that they were intending to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay, so we're going to now start to unpick some of this story. Now, what's really interesting about the feeding of the 5,000 is that it's one of few stories that um, is in all four Gospels. So we can assume that it's very important. The other story that is in all four of the Gospels is the death and resurrection of Jesus. So let's say it's a really important story. That's why every Gospel has it. Now, sometimes I know that as I read the Bible, there may be bits I just skip over and I just think, oh, that's a nice little bit they put in there. Um, And I actually don't see the relevance of it. But sometimes we have to look at those little details and we have to um, think that is there for a reason. And one of those things comes in verse 4. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now, what significance does that have, that the Passover was near? It's one little line that's in there, and then it goes on to the rest of the story. Well, actually, as John was writing the gospel, I think that he was reminiscing on what had happened. The event had taken place, and he was writing it down, and actually, John was very much aware of the Passover, and as he was writing, potentially, he was thinking back to the the first Passover that we read of in Exodus. Potentially, he was saying, actually, that was the time. He was remembering the time when God freed his people out of Egypt, when he liberated them from Egypt. Maybe he was thinking of the time when, from that story on, they were in the desert and God provided food from heaven. And maybe that story was then making him think about the events he'd just seen, the events of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. John continues the theme of Passover in his gospel. A little bit later on, we hear him write about the Passover um, just a few days before Jesus goes to the cross. Again, another situation where God frees the world from slavery through what he did on the cross. So John added that in, and I think that's really significant that we remember that this is a time of God's provision. God provided, as he did in the desert, God provided for us as he did on the cross. God provided for his people. So what we see is John writing this story down. And what he's trying to do from the onset is he's saying, let's take this and look through a spiritual lens. Let's remember what's happened in the past. Let's take that spiritual lens and let's focus our lives around it. So the first point this morning is that an extraordinary Jesus teaches ordinary people. So if we get back to the story, we see that our extraordinary Jesus, our extraordinary God, is faced with a situation where he actually knows the outcome. He knows what he's going to do. Verse 5, when he saw the great crowd, he asked, um, and it goes on to there to say, verse 6, he said this to test him. He already had in mind what he was going to do after he'd spoken to Philip. So he was using this as a teaching exercise for Philip, for the rest of the disciples, now, why Philip? Why, was it, why did this story home in on Philip? And out of the four times it occurs in the gospel, Philip is mentioned in only in John. 
And what I actually, um, as I started to dig around about into Philip's life, I noticed that he was the supplies guy. He was the practical guy. He was the guy that when they're on the road, when they're out and about, he would be the one that had to make sure that they had food, that they knew where they were going to eat, that he had, everybody had everything that they needed, the team were well looked after. Also, Philip was a local lad to where this situation was happening. So he had local knowledge of the area. He would know that George's Bakery is just down the road. He would know that. So again, maybe that's why Jesus honed in on him, but also to test and to teach him. And actually, as I looked at Philip and as I started to kind of unpack his life, I saw a lot of myself in him, and I'll explain a little bit more about that, the practical side of Philip. So Jesus asked Philip in verse 5, where shall we buy bread for these people? Now, I could almost imagine Philip's brain kicking into action, thinking, right, okay, Jesus has given me something to do. I've got to get it right. I've got to do it. Um, and it starts the calculations. The math is going. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to do this for Jesus. And he works out how much it would cost to feed so many people. Now, we may look at that and we may think, actually, that's quite a silly answer, Philip, that you know this is Jesus, isn't he going to come in and do something amazing? He, didn't, he wasn't lacking in faith. He was simply answering the question that Jesus had asked him, where should we buy this bread? So I'm sure he was thinking about where, but he was also thinking about the cost. But actually what Philip was doing was he was taking this situation that he was presented with, and he had his worldly lens on. He was focusing in on the world and wasn't focusing in with his spiritual lens. Now, when we started to talk about our growing family campaign and buying next door, I started to get a little bit worried about the cost. And I was just like, when we, when we knew it was going to be that place, 1.3 million, I was like, how are we going to do that? Chris had waited for some time on God before, as you know, before we launched this project. And he knew that God um, had said this is the right time. And Chris, being much more trusting than I, launched the project and off we went. So my practical mind, like Philip, kicks in. So I look at it and I think 1.3 million, there's roughly 1,000 people in the church. So if everyone gave 1,300, we'd have just enough money and we could buy the building. Not, nothing to do with renovating, just buying the building. So then I thought, then there's four people in my family, that's 5,200. 5, mm. <laughs> Not so simple. Not so simple. See, I went into practical mode. I, I wanted to solve the situation in this practical way. But actually, in that situation... What Jesus was doing within my life was he was saying, trust me, put on your spiritual lens, start to see things how I see things, start to do things as I do things. See, Philip knew in, in the natural, he, he knew what to do in the natural, but Jesus wanted to shift him over into this supernatural. See, our extraordinary God, our extraordinary Jesus wanted to take him on this journey and God wanted to take Philip from this ordinary guy to this extraordinary guy. So point number two, an extraordinary Jesus invests in ordinary people. And actually, if you think back to the story, Jesus had gone off, he'd tried to get some peace and quiet, and he was with his disciples, and then 
he saw 5,000 people turned up. It was a bit of a shock, maybe. Um, and knowing what had happened, knowing the situation, um, with all these 5,000, it says men, and then we can assume there'll be women and children there as well, so more than 5,000. There wasn't mass panic. There wasn't this like hysterical Jesus running around saying, what are we going to do? With the multitudes around him, Jesus stopped, and he took time to invest in his disciples. He took time to invest in those closest to him. And again, actually, as I think about this story and our lives, I think with everything that's going on, Jesus has time to invest in your life. With don't ever look at God and think, actually, that person sat next to me has got a really hard time at the moment. Jesus hasn't got time for me. Or there's that national thing happening that's so important, and I'm sure Jesus is under a mountain of paperwork with it. He hasn't got time for me. Or that national disaster that has just happened. Jesus hasn't got time for me. Don't ever, ever think that. With the multitudes of people that were around, Jesus stopped and he took time to invest in his disciples because he wanted them to see things differently. And actually, I believe today, as we look at this passage, Jesus is saying, I have time for you. I have time for you. And he wants to change our hearts and minds this morning. Okay, point number three. Ordinary people should take it to an extraordinary God. Again, it's almost like a little throwaway line in the passage, but Jesus committed the events to God. If we look at verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. See, Jesus took the situation to Father. He he offered it to God. He thanked God. See, Jesus knew, in worldly terms, this situation was impossible, in worldly terms. So he took it to Father. And he said, the world, it's impossible, but with Father, it is not. And what he did was, as he took it to Father, he then saw the miracle unfold in front of him. And at the end of this this passage, we see the, the praise going to God. And actually, as again, we think of our lives, we need to take things to Father. It may seem small what we're taking, but as we offer it to Father, we watch the miracle unfold. Um, Last Tuesday, um, I launched Connect Groups for Youth, and it was an amazing evening um, with our young people here at church. We had um, four Connect Groups that were running in the building. We all did worship together and stuff. Um, But three weeks before the launch, it was looking pretty bleak. I had no way of doing worship, apart from a CD. Um, which is fine, but I wanted to have a band. Um, And I had two leaders, myself and Joel, two male leaders. So I had no female leaders that would be there to cater for and do all the emotional stuff that the girls need. Um, So (laughs) it's very important. Um, And actually, Ali Ali Patel came up to me and said, Kev, how how are you going to provide for the girls? And I was just like, I don't know. Um, and um, Ali and, um, and Carol, um, two of my, my key intercessors, were on it praying. And I knew in this situation, all I could do was take it to Father and say, Father, 
you need to come in and intervene in this. And then as I took it to Father, I then watched the miracle unfold. And actually what was amazing was that I had four of the young people, um, I had Matthew and Adam McKinnon, I had Charlie Duffin and Caleb Hakim step up and say, I will lead worship. The four of them together, 14, 15 year olds, however old they are, they said that they would do it and it was phenomenal. And actually one day we might see them up here um, doing worship. But for them, it wasn't about playing a song. It was about leading worship, and it was phenomenal to see and amazing. And anyway, a little bit later, um, I then had a um, four-female team step up and say they would be willing to come on board. So as I took it to Father, nothing I could do but take it to Father. I watched that miracle unfold. I then had enough team to fully cater for the girls at Connect Group. I had a worship band, and then I had myself and Joel as well. So we were able to run it. But it wasn't anything within my power. It was Father working. So we need to take things to Father. Point four, ordinary people should trust an extraordinary God. See, as Philip watched the events, Jesus was taking him on this journey. Jesus was changing Philip's heart. And as we look at the story, we see the glory going to God. The fruit of it, the outcome of the situation, the glory goes to God. If we read verse 14, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who is coming into the world. Jesus was standing there saying, heaven is there waiting to help. Just access heaven. We need to trust our extraordinary God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And actually, if we think back to the situation, when Jesus said, Philip, um, how are we gonna, where are we going to buy bread for these people? If Philip thought, okay, Jesus, um, it's going to cost half a year's wages, Jesus said, go do it. So he went up to the disciples and imagine, he said, right, guys, Jesus said, we've got to feed them, empty your pockets, starts collecting in all the cash. He goes down to George's bakery. George gets baking. He gets it all up to um, the place, feed everyone. Where would the glory go? The glory would go to Philip, wouldn't it? They would say, Philip, he's a great guy. Look how he fed so many people. Philip is awesome. He got a van. How big was that van that he got? And he got it all the way up to here to feed us all. Philip is great. The glory would have gone to Philip, not to God. And actually in this situation, all the honor, all the glory went to God. Jesus sat everyone down after he'd offered it to Father. He gave thanks and distributed. The glory went to God because heaven was intervening. So what is our response when we're faced with situations? Do we look through the world's lens or do we start to look through a spiritual lens? Chris was looking through that spiritual lens when we bought the building um, and I was looking through that world's lens. Chris and Jesus took me on that journey, and I started to see things differently. And we are constantly faced with situations where we need to start changing our lens over. 
And Chris has already mentioned it, but last Sunday we were faced with the most children we've ever had here on a Sunday, 189 in total across Village and Ventureland. And we have this challenge now in Ventureland. So this is for our school-age children, 5 to 10. We have so many that there is this potential danger of it being unsafe for our children and us not being able to cater for the children effectively. So if we don't do something, then it's going to be a big problem. So what happens? Well, I click my world lens into focus, and I start saying, right, well, we could cap numbers. Um, we, could, um, we could start to do all kinds of things. Um, but one thing that I do need to do is I need to protect my team. Um, what impact is this going to have on the church with more children that aren't able to get into the... And so all of these things start going round my head as I start to process it. But I know that we need to do something. I know that my team are under stress and under strain because of looking after the children um, without having so many team. But actually, where is my answer in this? Where is my answer? I need to take it to Father, don't I? And I need to click in my spiritual lens, and I need to say, God, I give you all the thanks and praise. Because we do constantly thank God for our children's ministry, and each and every children and parents sat here, because we know it is an amazing ministry, and God is doing some amazing things. So we constantly thank him, and we take it to Father, and we ask him to intervene. Then on Friday, I had an email from Fliss um, that came via Vineyard USA, and it helped me to start to click in my spiritual lens. And I'm going to read you the quote from this email. It says, For such a time as this, lighting the fires of the next generation, what if Vineyard churches committed to the next 10 years making kids and youth a priority with our time, energy, and money? Could we change a generation? Let's find out as we step into what Father is doing in this generation. It would take an intergenerational effort where we, as the integrated vineyard family, rise up to the challenge God has presented to us. We can be God's torchbearers as we light the fires of this generation to change the world. God's lens starting to click in. And actually, as I, as I sit and think about that, it is, it is us as church that are the solution for this. And maybe actually you're sitting there thinking, you're a bit scared about getting involved in children's ministry. Maybe it's not the thing for you. But actually, as we start to click in our lens on this situation, our spiritual lens, as heaven starts to access our hearts, God will light a fire within our hearts as we capture what Father is doing in our children and our youth ministry. As we capture that, he will give us his heart to help raise this next generation. So let's constantly be clicking in our spiritual lens. Finally, ordinary people are still learning. Sometimes it can take a while for us to learn these things. As we read um, the same story, um, Feeding of the 5,000 in Mark's Gospel, we see the same events happen. And then just a couple of chapters later, we see the feeding of the 4,000 happen. Very similar events, just slightly different numbers. And what happens is Jesus is there with his disciples and he said, okay guys, we're in this really remote place, we, we need to feed these people. And his disciples click in their, their worldly lens and they say, hey, we're in a really remote place, what do you want us to do? And Jesus says, well, what do you have? They say seven loaves. So Jesus then performs the same miracle. Not at one point does it say the disciples clicked in their spiritual lens. They realized that just a little while before, Jesus had done this miracle where he'd fed 5,000 people, and now there are only 4,000, so it must be easier, right? 
No one said that. They're still on this journey. They're still learning. And actually, as I, as I think about that and as I reflect in my own life, I think, actually, again, I, I'm so quick to click in to my worldly lens. I think about next door again, and as, as Chris mentioned, phase two earlier. Um, after we got the architect drawings together and we'd um, got a rough estimate for 500,000 to renovate next door, that's about right, isn't it, Chris? Um, my, my worldly lens kicked in. Again, um, 1,000 people in the church. 500,000, well, that's not much each, we can all do that. But again, it's not that simple, is it? Some people can't afford that. Some people can afford way more than that. But actually, this journey for me is about clicking in that spiritual lens. For me to say, hey, I'm gonna trust you, Jesus, to provide the money that we need to renovate that place, to provide for our feed ministry and for our children and youth. God is still taking me on that journey even though I've seen God raise so much money to buy the building. And actually, I don't think, I think think that's part of life and that's how we learn and that's what God does in our hearts. And I think it's really important that we take these situations and when we realize that has happened, we thank Father, we click in our spiritual lens and we continue. Now, I'm not saying that every time we pray, God will answer it in the way that we expect. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that we need to take stuff to Father. And actually, we were singing that Good, Good Father song. And as we were, as we were singing it, there, there was a line in it that says that God actually knows the desires of our hearts. He knows what's inside our heart. And we need to take that to Father. We need to take those things to Father because he is a good, good Father. He wants what's good for us. So he may not answer it in the way that we anticipate, but what he will do is he will take us on a journey. He will help us to see things through his lens. As yet, we don't have enough money for phase two. At the moment, um, I'm not sure we can even put, um, we can even change the door on the building. No, we probably can. But, do you know what I mean? We, we, we're, still, we're still a long way off yet. But, God is saying, let's click in our spiritual lens. Let's keep offering it to Father, and he will provide as we just watch the miracle unfold. If the band are around and could come up, that would be excellent. So my question today is, what situation are you facing? And actually, as you think about your life, again, don't think this is a small situation and Jesus hasn't got time for it. Because whatever the situation you're in, it is real, and Jesus has time for that. What situation are you in, and are you gonna click in your worldly lens in that, or are you gonna click in your spiritual lens? As we take it to Father, we need to watch the miracle unfold. We need to allow Jesus to teach and guide us. And just as, just as Sam starts to play, I hadn't planned this, but I think, I think we should do it. If you're in a situation big or small, and you, you need that spiritual lens to click in because you have your worldly lens. I'm going to ask you to stand up. There's no shame in this. We're not going to interview you and ask you. We're just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you from the front. Um, and yeah, that's excellent. Thank you. Whatever your situation, you need that spiritual lens. It's amazing, isn't it? God has time for each and every one of us. I was going to say, if you're not standing, lay a hand on someone, but there's very few, um, which is exciting. But I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to worship. Come, Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you that you are reigning, and you are in this place. 
And Lord, I thank you that you are concerned about every detail of our lives. And Lord, for each and every one of us standing in this place this morning, I pray that you will click in that spiritual lens, that you would help us to daily take it to father the situation that we are facing, that our spiritual lens will focus, that you will give us clarity, and we will watch that miracle unfold in our lives. Father God, I thank you that you are a good, good father, and you love us so much. So bless us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Yes, love has called my name. I've been born again to your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Thank you. 
the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I was dead and seen. I am a child of God. Yes, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Father God, I thank you that for that truth that we are your children and therefore there is no fear. And Lord, I pray that will resonate deep within our hearts. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. And God wants to still work in us. And as you know, we have people that pray before the service. And um, there's a few things here that I'm just going to briefly mention. If any of them resound with you, please go and get prayer. My right, your left. There's somebody with a skin infection on their arm, somebody with an ingrowing toenail, someone with abdominal pain, someone with cysts on their ovaries. There's somebody with deafness in their right ear, somebody with a painful foot arch, a man with blood pressure problems, someone with an infection in the right eye someone with pain in wrist joint, and somebody who's had an injury from a climbing accident. God wants to deal with these things here today. So please do go and get prayer if if any of those um, relate to you. Um, If there's anything else you want prayer for, the prayer ministry team are there and would love to pray for you. And guys, do remember to pray for our church leaders um, this Tuesday as we meet here um, for our our, um, church leaders meeting, as we, we envision and guide and together meet and worship as leaders. Pray for that, please do. And if you're a leader, please be here. But now for the blessing. May Father in heaven bless us and keep us. May Father in heaven help us to see things as he sees them. May Father in heaven help us to remember that we are a child of God. So bless you as you go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.